today, let's go to Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 14. Verse number 14. It says in our text today, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. How many times have you used the idea, maybe you've never quite said it this way, but you've used it in your thinking, that only certain people seem to be led by God. We would go into Scripture and we say, well, certainly Abraham was. God told him to go and he went and he had to be led by God. Uh, we'd say Moses. Oh, definitely Moses was led by God. David was led by God. We'd start a, a list of folks and generally they're, they're the top shelf kind of people in our thinking spiritually, right? These are the ones who are led by God. And, and sometimes then we, we transpose that into our thinking where we have a missionary come perhaps and share with us they're being led by the Lord to go to Africa or someplace. And, and you may say, I'm glad it's not me. Or you may say, wow, that's a very special person that God is leading them in this way or that way. And, and I think we do think that from time to time that those whom the Spirit led, leads are unique. They are uh, specifically spiritual, perhaps, but certainly they're not the everyday kind of person. We're going to talk about this verse today. And I hope that when we're through here today, you have an entirely new perspective on what it means to be led by the Spirit. And it's a fascinating little part of our study, but it is in the department of the security of the believer. The whole chapter has been dealing with that. So far we've done that up to chapter or verse number 14. But we've seen how we have been secured from the past in the first four verses. We are set free from condemnation and all the great things that went with that in the first four verses. We talked about our minds in verse 5 through 8. Especially verse number 6. The mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And we found security in that, didn't we? It's a great passage to study through. And we worked on that for several weeks. We went into verse number 9. And all the way to verse number 13. And talked about just living. How we're secure in our living. Because verse 10 says, Christ is in you. Is that true? Yes. And we also saw in verse number 11 that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And is that true? Yes. That's in everyday living, folks. That's today, that's tomorrow, and that was yesterday. As a believer in Jesus Christ, this is what we can say very clearly. We have a security in our living. Now, as I take that thought and move into verse 14 and on through verse number 18, I'm going to talk about your relationship with God. All right, Your relationship with God. And I hope that by the time we're through with these passages, you find security in these words too. This relationship is incredible. 
if you take the time to think about it and study it through with us and understand what God says about this relationship. And we start with verse 14 today. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Heavenly Father, we've got an important truth in front of us today and one that we need to know. Help us with it, we pray. We have sung many songs here this morning and songs of praise for what you've done for us. And even down to the response that the choir just said for us, this kind of love demands our life, our soul, our all. And I pray, Lord, even now as we go into your word, as we see what you have to tell us about your love for us and your work in our life, that we do have a response. May our response be that which would be pleasing in your sight, a response of submission to your will, a response of pure devotion to who you are, and love for what you've done. Work in our hearts today, Lord. Melt us in that fashion. Sometimes we come with stony hearts. Sometimes we come with uh, a callousness around them. Sometimes we come with a defiance. And yet, may your spirit be at work in each of our hearts and change us from the inside out and soften us with his work, his great work that he's doing. Help us to see these things and respond with our love to you. Thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. A very important truth in front of us. We are, we are secure in the fact that Christ is in us and the Spirit dwells in us. I believe that this section we go into now, speaking of a relationship with God, this is confirmation of that relationship. This is what we need to see. Sometimes when you purchase something online, if you're those who are brave enough or you're just doing it all the time, you know, years ago we used to be scared to death to do such things. Uh, but now it's become commonplace. Uh, but generally, you get an email back to say, your purchase is confirmed or something like that. And, and it, that makes you feel good, doesn't it? Even though you don't have it, it's in the mail somewhere or something of like that. It's good to have confirmation, isn't it? To say, this is secured, you got it, no problem, it works that way. Well, this confirmation I'm going to talk to you about is a relationship you have with the Lord. And the fact of this relationship, I'm going to say in three words for you to start with. The relationship you have with the Lord, it cannot change. What he has established stays established. Your identity as a child of God is that you are a child of God. It does not change. You grow, yes. You mature, we're supposed to. But the identity, the relationship that he has established does not change. This verse will confirm it for you. Alright? Let's walk through it because it's very important as we start to study these things. Uh, incredible things. Verse 14 we're going to talk about. But look at verse 15. There's a simple word in there that stands out. It says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. That's a key word right there. You have received the spirit of adoption. 
that shows you it will not change. Verse 16 says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That does not change. That's what he's testifying to. You are children of God. In verse 17 and 18, it says, and if we're children, then we're what? Heirs. There's no maybe in that phrase. You are an heir of God. You are a fellow heir with Christ. The fact is, we're going to be glorified with him. Verse 17 ends with that. Verse 18 goes into that too. We're going to be glorified with him. Now, either all of this is true, or God has made a mistake. He has, in, in this verse, 17, he has already declared our future. Was he just being uh, careless in that statement? Was he stay, saying things out of line, a little, a little ahead of the, the game here? Or does he really know your future? He just said you're an heir, right? Is that going to change? Not in God's book. He's already declared itself. Matter of fact, I could give you verse after verse after verse to support this. Ephesians chapter 1 is loaded with it. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, even in verse number 14, that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a pledge, a guarantee of that inheritance. So that's tying our two thoughts together. We're studying the Holy Spirit here. We're talking about what God has said about your relationship with Him, and that's guaranteed because of the Holy Spirit. We have in Ephesians 2, 6, some of my favorite verses, where it says that you've been raised up together with Him, and you have been seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your seat is already established in the heavenly places and already filled by you. You're already seated there in God's book. There will be no empty seats in heaven. None. That's the way God sees it. That's the way He sees it. He is already seated as with the, in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now, either that's true, or else God's made a mistake here. Ephesians 2.7 goes on to say that we will forever be a display of God's grace. So that for the ages to come, He might show the surpassing greatness of His grace toward us. That means you're a trophy, if you like that term. You forever will be a testimonial of the grace of God. At any time in the future, if anyone should ever ask in heaven, what does God's grace look like? What can it do? All they have to do is point it to you. <laughs> point at me. That's what God's grace does. It says forever, for the ages to come, we will always be testimonies of His grace. Now, if that is true, then it sounds to me like the present relationship is pretty secure. He's already talking about our future. He's already talking about the way it's going to be. I bank on that when I think it through spiritually. I bank on it. Because if this were true, then my relationship is solidified. If it's not true, then something's wrong with his plan. I'm a firm believer in the security of the believer. I think you know that. 
I've said that a lot. And I do that on purpose. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to teach it. I'm not afraid to preach it. Because God said it. Not me. I did not invent this. (laughs) But I sure do relish it. I sure do enjoy it. And either it's all true or else he's deceived us. Now you know where I stand. I want to show you from this verse another passage, verse 14, that confirms the truth of our security in the relationship with God. Again, verse 4, all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If that's a passage just for the spiritual elite, not many of us would understand it. And we would sit here as hope hopeful people saying, oh, maybe someday something will happen. And we'll be always looking for something mystical to happen. A voice, a cloud, a flash of light, something. We'll be looking for something to make it unique. Because we think those who are led by the Spirit are unique. So it has to be a unique experience. And so, if that's the way this verse is to be uh, given to us today, we're looking for super godly people to qualify for this claim. And if they are the only ones who are being led by the Spirit of God, guess what? Then they are also the only ones who can claim to be sons of God. Let me walk through it today. Just two thoughts, and they're right there in the text. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, and those who are sons of God. Just those two thoughts we're going to work on. And a little bit of a definition will help us out. What does it mean to be led? To be led... By the Spirit of God. It's a simple little Greek word. Three letters long. A-G-O. Ago. That's a simple one for you. Now you can impress people. You know a Greek word. Ago. Means to lead. It's a simple word for lead. We, we take it in a very simple phrase. Uh, to lead. Now, illustrate that in your minds. Or doodle it on your page if you like. It just takes two stick figures, really. One is in front of the other one. Delete it. In this picture, if you want to make your stick figure more accurate to the text, it'd be you as one of them and the Holy Spirit as the other. I'd love to see what you're going to draw there. But you'd have two figures. One is leading and one is following, right? That's the basic concept of what it means to lead. One is in front and one is following. One is following. Now, Because this is what we call in the Greek the passive voice, that sounds technical, it speaks in this fashion, that those who are being led, they are being brought along, right? So, if we're reading this and we're putting ourselves in the text, are we the leaders or the ones being led? We're being led, right? We're we're passively Behind, We're passively being drawn along. Somebody else is actively leading, and in this case, it's the Spirit of God. Those who are being led. So, we put ourselves in that second category there. We are being led. Sometimes, the ver- this little verb is used to illustrate what you would do with an animal. Alright? Get over that for a minute if you're thinking I'm comparing something here. But uh, the idea of what you do with an animal. Shepherds, for example, lead sheep. They go before the sheep. We have Psalm 23. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to just 
describe that, even John chapter 10, where the Lord says, I am the good shepherd. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And then it goes on to say, He leads me, right? He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me in the path of righteousness. We read those words. And so we, we can cite them and say, okay, that's a beautiful thing. We could even put it in song. We could sing it. We could put it on a plaque and hang it on our wall. But the big question really that comes with all that is, if the Lord is leading, am I following? That's the applicational question. Am I following? If he's leading, am I following? And I want to ask you this before we go any further in our verse 14. If there are those who are led by the Spirit, if they're following the Spirit, I want to ask you in your own heart, are you a follower of the Spirit? Are you a follower? Because He does lead. He does lead. So with that in mind, let's talk a little further about what leading looks like. You have those two people on your little timeline here, your little picture in front of you. Perhaps you've drawn it. Put a destination point somewhere on the page. A destination point is where they're going. Because this is the nature of this word leader, too. The, the concept of leading is that there is a destination in mind. All right? This isn't just rambling, wandering kind of leadership. Like it has no direction, it has no clue what it's doing, you know, follow the leader. You've been in that situation, perhaps, in the past. I remember one very vividly. Many, many years ago, we were driving uh, from Indiana down to Florida to see my folks. And um, it was those days when we were younger and we thought, well, we could drive for 20 straight hours. We don't do that anymore. Uh, but at that time, by the time you hit just north of Chattanooga on I-65 and, and down that direction, it, it splits out there, I know, and we're on a different road. I forgot the number. But we're heading down the highway from Nashville to Chattanooga, and it's dark. It's not only dark, but if you've ever been over there, it gets foggy at times. Very foggy. And all you can do, if you're brave enough is, or dumb enough, is follow the headlights or the taillights in front of you. I've been there before. And I've prayed many, many times, Lord, if they go off the bridge, I'm going off too. Don't let them go off the bridge. Because we're going up and down hills, and I know what's out there. I've seen it in the light. You've ever been there before? You just follow somebody? You just follow in the direction? You have no idea where they're going. And you're hoping they have some idea where they're going. That's this word. To lead to a destination. The leading is going somewhere. It's an active thing. It's moving. You hope that they have a destination in mind. Now, when we talk about the Spirit, He does. He has a destination in mind. He has a location He's going to. He's aiming at the end point. This is His wisdom. Because He has a plan. He has a goal. He has a purpose. But what he does. Do you know what his destination is for you? I could say this very dogmatically because I know. He guarantees that you will receive the inheritance. 
He guarantees that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. I've said it twice this morning. Now I'm going to read it to you just so you see it, hear it yourself. Ephesians 1, 14. Speaking of the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. He is taking what God has accomplished. He has redeemed you. God has redeemed you. For his own glory. And the Holy Spirit says, And I will promise it will happen. All the way to the end, where you receive the inheritance he's promised. That's his guarantee. He's sealed it. That's his job. So, is he going to give up on that? No. That's the destination he's aiming for. That's where he's taking you. To see that this is accomplished to the praise of God. Because that redemption is not going to fail. It's not going to fall short. That's what he's accomplishing right now. Another thing he's accomplishing in Romans chapter 8, where we are, in verse number 29, I can't wait to get to this verse, where it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God's plan is that you are conformed to the image of Christ. It's here. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. It's in several different places. It talks about that very same principle. You are being conformed to the image of Christ. And according to John, in 1 John chapter 3, when we see him, we shall be like him. So, does this sound like he's going to do it? Oh, yes, he is. That's the destination point. Again, not just an inheritance, not just there to fulfill the redemption, not just there for the glory of God, but that you reflect the image of Christ. He will see to it. That's guaranteed. That's what he's working on right now. So, I put it down this way. In every action, in every turn, in every event where he is Working in life, and he is, because he dwells in you, he is reaching that destination. He's reaching it. Step by step, inch by inch, piece by piece, he's leading you to that point, and he's not taking you to any other point. He's not going to change his mind, he's not going to divert his route, he is going there. All right? That's his destination. Now, do you trust his leadership? Do you think he's going to accomplish this in you? Someday you're going to stand before that throne, and maybe your jaw's going to be laying on the floor. Why? Because you're going to stand there and realize he did it. <laughs> Amazing! He did it! But yes, he did. I think that's why we're going to be standing there with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amazing! When we see that day. But that's what he's doing. He's leading with a destination in mind. That's in that word. That's in that little word I'll go. He's leading with a destination in mind. Let me add another thing. He's leading by accompanying you to that place. He doesn't just point out the path and say, Hey, good luck. <laughs> Aren't you glad? He doesn't say, there is your destination, I'll meet you at the end. He doesn't say that. He goes with us on the journey. He goes with us. 
Every step, he goes with us. With us. That was the promise Jesus made to us in John chapter 14, verse 16. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. I don't know how you define forever, but to me it says he's with me. Right now he's with me. Tomorrow he's with me. A week from now he's with me. In the rough spots he's with me. In the good spots he's with me. He is accompanying me on this destination route. He is with me. That's the nature of his leading. He is with you. He will always be with you. He dwells in you. He will always be with you. You too are inseparable in God's eyes. Okay? This is powerful stuff when you stop and think about it. This isn't just a, a on-again, off-again leadership thing. It's not that he leads you only on a Sunday if you're wearing your tie today. He leads you because he is with you always. He's leading you right now. Because you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's conforming you to the image of Christ, he's taking you to the inheritance, he's fulfilling the promise of redemption, he's going to get you there for the glory of God. He's leading you right now. Right now, he's with you. Now that's just in that little word I'll go. It's kind of full right now, isn't it? But you ready for more? Oh, I love these parts. This is fun. Because if you're starting to say, but you know, Pastor, if you only knew me, uh, some of you I know. You say, I don't know if I, I... I'm not quite so spiritual, you know. I, you know, you've got to be spiritual to walk with the Holy Spirit, don't you? I mean, you're talking about His wise planning for your destination. He's leading you step by step. But, but don't you have to be willing in there too? Don't, don't you have to be willing to follow Him? Well, I want to tell you something. I know we go down this road a lot. We do. I think it's flimsy theology to start inserting ourselves an awful lot in what we think God is doing. It mixes too much of me in the picture. And that's not a good portion to put in the equation. Most of you might like to, to uh, create a nice glass of chocolate milk by putting in Nesquik or, or one of those other you know, mixes. Maybe you say, ah, I can't do that anymore. But you remember the days. Stir up a nice, beautiful glass of chocolate milk. Now, with such a thing, you wouldn't want a spoonful of mud in there, would you? You'd say, no, even though it's about the same color? No, you wouldn't do that. And some of us think, well, this... This talk you have, Pastor, this morning is so spiritual. I'm like a spoonful of mud. You throw me in there and it messes it all up. You know, that's not just the way uh, the Spirit leads. It can't be. But I want to ask you this. How could a puny human being like me, or maybe if you're willing to say like you, alter the, degree, the decrees of a holy, powerful God? How can we throw ourselves in the picture and mess it completely up and say it was based on us and not on him? I call that a flimsy theology. Because when I go through the rest of these words on lead, you might be very surprised. You might be very surprised. Actually, half of this sermon I laughed through. Because it was like looking in a mirror. <laughs> you ready? 
Yes, the simplest rendering of leading is to lead, to guide, or to direct. But in the fuller measure, it also means to take by the hand. To take by the hand. To lay hold of. To lead to oneself, to attach oneself as an attendant. There's a picture I have in my mind right now, and it's all the way back in the book of Genesis. It's a story of Lot. Genesis chapter 19, we were studying this in our evening service not that long ago, but in Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 15, we have the situation here where the angels went to Lot and told him that they were going to destroy Sodom. That's where Lot was living, and you know it included Gomorrah, and there was other towns there too. But in, in this chapter 19 of Genesis, the angels came to him and said, this city is doomed. Get out. Leave. Escape with your lives. We're going to destroy it. Well, it says in Genesis 19, verse 15, When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here with you, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But Lot hesitated. Hesitated. So, the men, the angels, seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him, and they brought him out and put him outside the city. They grabbed him by the hand to get him out of there. That was a compassionate thing to do, the text says. That was the compassion of the Lord. He grabbed him by the hand. How many of us might remember a time when the Spirit had to do that for us too? Grab us by the hand and take us out of there. Why? Because we hesitate. We hesitate to follow. We, we linger in danger. We're satisfied with spiritual apathy. We get settled there. We're, oh, this, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go. And he grabs you by the hand and he pulls you out of there. That's compassion. That's leadership. That's in this word. Another word that goes with it is not only to lead by the hand, but to bring, to carry... To drive, even the words, to arrest. Now that made me think. <laughs> That's part of leadership. Led by the Spirit of God at times, it means He's going to bring you somewhere. Sometimes He has to carry you. Ever been there too? Sometimes He drives you along. And sometimes he arrests you right in your tracks. You want to get a little more graphic with the word? It means to conduct with force. To drag. <laughs> this is why I started laughing. I've got this picture in my mind because we draw stick figures of two of them walking along. Draw one being dragged by the other one. And that's a pretty good clear picture of what he's talking about here. To drag you. To drag you. You would say, what? How spiritual does that look? 
I mean, that's respectable, isn't it? To be drugged? No. No, it doesn't sound spiritual. To be drugged by the Holy Spirit, Spirit throughout life? Boy, that's impressive. He impels us on. He forces us to move forward. Now tell me it's never happened with you. The Holy Spirit has drugged you before, I think. He's drugged me before. When you drag somebody, there's usually a struggle involved. Have you ever noticed that? There's something going on there. And there's a struggle. And there's somebody resisting. And guess who that is? That's us. That's us. See, the Holy Spirit does lead. And he does guide. But he corrects too. That's who he is. He corrects us when we need correction. When we're on the wrong way. He's not opposed to stopping us in our track. He's not opposed to grabbing us by the collar and dragging us back where we need to be. He corrects. That's what he does. He reproves. He doesn't say silent. He scolds. He accuses. He chides because we need to hear the voice of truth. Now, he always speaks out of love. That's never divorced from what he's saying to you. But he does speak. Because you know it. Where do you wrestle more? Physically or in the heart? Or in the mind? How many times have you been wrestling with something in your heart, and your mind? You don't know what to do. Matter of fact, you're on the wrong course. And the Spirit is there saying, uh-uh, uh-uh. And He's speaking to you about God's Word. You ever been there? He reproves. And He's not quiet. He's not quiet in this. He convicts. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit can convict. We're not talking about a cricket. Right? It's not your conscience. It's not some little Jiminy Cricket critter that uh, comes alongside to help you once in a while. He convicts. He does know how to make you feel miserable. Oh, he's good at that. That's out of love. Because he knows you're not right with the Lord. He convicts. He can make you feel guilty. He can make you feel shame. He can make you feel embarrassment. He can do that. He's leading you. He's got an incredible arsenal to work with. He disciplines. Do you know that? He disciplines. He, he sometimes does that harshly. There's a worship service talked about in Acts chapter 5 where two people died. You know the story? You say, ooh, this sounds intriguing. Yes, it was Ananias and Sapphira. They were bringing gifts before the Lord and they lied in that church service. They said one thing that wasn't true. And in the midst of it, first he dropped dead right there in the middle of the service and they carried him off. And then she came in and she followed through with the same lie. And she dropped dead and was carried off. And Peter made a comment. Why are you lying to the Holy Ghost? He is, he is God. And that's what they were doing. They were lying to him. And they dropped dead in the service. You want to change a worship service in a hurry? Wow! What a dramatic way to discipline somebody. He did. He did. Study the Corinthians. And why in chapter 11 of, of 1 Corinthians... 
does Paul make a, a reference that some of the Corinthians not only are sick, but some of them are dead. It's because they weren't following the Spirit. He was disciplining. Do you know who they were? They were believers, folks. Can he do that? Yes. Sounds kind of drastic. But he does. He disciplines. He trains in righteousness. When you want a vine to grow up a fence, and you want it to look a certain way, you train it. You let it grow a little while, and then you tie it so it holds a certain way. And then you let it grow a little while, and then you bend it again and tie it up so it goes a certain way. And you train it up the fence so it looks the way you want it to. And that's the way the Holy Spirit has been working on you, too. He keeps bending and tying and bending and tying and bending and tying until where we go is natural for us. Now, you may not like his correction. Most of us don't. You may not like his reproving. You may not like his chiding. You may not like his conviction. You may not like his discipline. But I'll tell you this. All of these are proof that he is in you and has not given up on you. That's the evidence. If he didn't care, he wouldn't do it. But he is in you, and he's not going to leave you where you were. He's leading you to a destination. He wants you to be like Christ. And you may think you have to be spiritual to sit on the top shelf to be led by the Spirit. But the fact of the matter is, all who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ are being led by the Spirit. You are being led by the Spirit. You may be drugged by the Spirit right now, but you're being led. He's taking you to the destination. So I'm going to change a word for you, just so you get the picture. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being guided by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being directed by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being accompanied by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being brought by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being taken by the hand by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being carried by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being driven by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being arrested by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being drugged by the Spirit of God. That's not in your text, is it? But there it is. These are the sons of God. For all who are being corrected, for all who are being reproved, for all who are being disciplined, these are the sons of God. Now, is the Spirit leading you? Absolutely. Absolutely, he's leading you. The manner, sometimes, is up to you. But the fact is there. That's what I wanted to point out to you, especially this morning. This relationship is secure. You say, but I've been, I've been bad. I've been resistant. I've been stubborn. I keep falling into that thing. You know, Lord, I'm just not spiritual. He says, yeah, I know. But I'm leading you. I'm leading you. That's his view. That's what he's doing. The Holy Spirit will not leave the believer alone. 
He will not do it. He will not leave you where you were spiritually. He will never leave you. Never leave you. He's not waiting on you for Him to lead you. He's not waiting on you. He's not waiting for your attitude to be better. He's not waiting for you to be more in tune with your devotions. He's not waiting on you to memorize Romans chapter 8. So that's not a bad thing. He's not waiting. He's leading. That's the point. He's leading because you have a relationship with God. Now, this might be a, a, a slightly inaccurate illustration, but I'll try it, and it might help a little bit in this understanding. You've all seen the, the uh, you have all seen a blind person using a seeing eye dog before. I'm sure you have. And if you've ever watched what those dogs do, it's absolutely amazing. They are trained to walk with somebody. They are trained to be their eyes. These dogs walk beside them. They nudge them. And maybe you don't notice it, but that walker knows it. There's a certain nudge that goes with the idea there's a curb coming up. There's an obstacle in the way. There's a step you need to take. There's a certain manner in which that dog will step in front of them to stop them from taking their next step. There's another way that that dog will move forward in order to pull them along to very, very, very small movements but very precise movements that the dog and the owner knows in order to say, I move forward, or I stop, or I turn, or whatever I do, he's trusting that dog to see for him. And that dog's been trained to do it. Now, the Holy Spirit's not a dog. I told you it's not a perfect illustration. He's not a dog. He is God. He is God. And he's infinitely wise, he's unmeasurably powerful, and he's incredibly loving. And his concern for you goes far beyond any expression I could give it here this morning. His plan for you will not be thwarted by anyone or by anything. As a believer, you are being led by him. I hope you become sensitive to his nudging instead of his tackling. I hope that you could walk with him in the gentle, peaceful submission instead of being drugged down the street. But he is leading. He is leading. And I would say it this way. Whether your heart is willing or not, you belong to the Lord and he's got a destination in mind. He is leading you. He is leading you. It's not based on you. Because point number two said, these are the sons of God. These are the sons of God. This unique relationship just simply shows your likeness with the Father. I don't know how many times I've been told when I was young how I resembled my father. People would say, hey, you must be Arthur Courtney's son. You look just like him. And I'm sure you've heard things like that too in your life. You look just like him. Jesus says, if God were your father, you would love me. He was talking to the Jews one day. And he was talking to them about their understanding of God. He says, there's a certain character trait of a person who belongs to the Lord. They have a relationship with him because they resemble him. And they do what he does. And they follow his path. And they love like he loves. And they would love Christ like the Father loves Christ. 
And he goes through that whole thing. And then when he says all that, he turns to them and says, and you're just like your father, the devil. Boy, that went over big. But you know what? That's who they were acting like. They had murder in their heart. They hated. And on and on it went. He says, you speak from your nature. Your nature resembles your father. Your father is the devil. These are the sons of God. If you are God's son, you will resemble him. That's where the Holy Spirit's taking you. If you are not God's son, you have a different father. You will not look like God at all. How encouraging would it be to you for somebody to walk up to you, perhaps even this afternoon, and said, Hey, you must be God's son. You look an awful lot like him. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. It's a secure relationship. It has the Holy Spirit leading in order to make it possible and to see it to the end. That's what he's doing. That's why I said, if you come away from this verse and say, I'm not sure my relationship's very solid, you need to go back and look at it again. The Holy Spirit is leading you because you are a son of God. That's an important passage. Let's have a word of prayer and let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we've got words in front of us and thoughts going through our minds and working their way into our hearts today. And we come before you right now as those who claim to know you as our Father, that would make us your sons. We believe that is true because Jesus Christ died for us and shed his blood for us, and we have believed in that death and burial and resurrection on our behalf. We have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We are now new creatures in Christ Jesus. We have been given eternal life and forgiveness and a name a name, the child of God. You have made all that possible, and your word has said so, and we believed it, and that's where we stand today, as a child of yours. And since that is true, then what we have studied today is just as true. For all who are sons of God are being led by the Spirit of God. Lord, sometimes we make that an easy course for our Holy Spirit, guide, leader, teacher, comforter, corrector. Sometimes we make that an easier task, I think. Sometimes we are so stubborn, Lord, and it's as if we're being drugged. But I thank you, Lord, that you will not give up on us. I thank you for the security you have put in this relationship. It's not based on me, and it's not based on us. And I thank you, Lord, that you didn't set it up that way. But you designed it to show your power and your faithfulness and your grace and your love and such a thing that never changes. We rejoice in that today. But we can't help but look in the mirror right now and ask how we're being led. To what fashion are you leading us? If, Lord, there's a need this morning for somebody in our congregation, perhaps many of us, to come before you and and deal with a problem, an issue, something that has put resistance in this whole process, something that has changed the, the beauty of it to a duty, I pray, Lord, that you might convict our hearts like you're so good at doing. 
bring us to that place where we're walking freely with the Holy Spirit and in the joy of the Holy Spirit and with thankful hearts, anticipating the good work that you're doing in our life now. Work in us, Lord, that we might walk with our Holy Spirit, the one who loves us and who will not give up on us. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. Help us to understand it so that we might live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.